0: The reading today comes from Acts chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. After Paul and Silas had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. And Paul went in, as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days argued with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer and rise from the dead, and saying, This is the Messiah, Jesus, whom I am proclaiming to you. Some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews became jealous, and with the help of some ruffians in the marketplaces, they formed a mob and set the city in an uproar. While they were searching for Paul and Silas to bring them out to the assembly, they attacked Jason's house. When they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some brothers and sisters before the city authorities, shouting, These people who have been turning the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has entertained them as guests. They are all acting contrary to the decrees of the emperor, saying there is another king named Jesus. The people and the city officials were disturbed when they heard this, and after they had taken bail from Jason and the others, they let them go.
1: All right, the kids had their chance, and uh, if there are any more kids, they can too. What, what, what is your mom good at? Come on, come on, this is my Jerry Springer moment, except, <laughs> except he just died, so let's pick another one. Uh, anyway, what's your mom good at? Singing. Singing, okay, yes, she is. Oh, he got one way back here. Okay, come here, sweetie. Yeah, meet me in the middle. I love her. That's that says it all. Who else? What's your mom good at? All right. Oh, I can. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, John.
0: Uh, she's good at tennis, and she's the best mom in the world. <laughs>
1: there you go there you go who else who else what's your mom good at what's your mom good at
0: quilting and sewing
1: quilting and sewing yeah that's really good okay
0: bake cookies
1: all right yes cookies awesome i know these people right here so i have to give them a turn you can include your grandpa in that too
0: uh singing with me
1: singing with you what's your mom good at
0: making cookies
1: making cookies (laughs) that's it that's it those are my granddaughters i've stopped you know. (laughs) Fixing stuff? Fixing stuff. Go, Mom. All right, one more. What's Mom good at?
0: Cooking
1: cake. Cooking cake. Ooh, I love cake. We're going to have pound cake for lunch today. Yeah, you know. There's, okay, we've got one more. One more over here. I get my cardio in. This is great. I don't have to run later.
0: Singing and making
1: food for us. Singing and making food for us. That's awesome. You know, we could all go on and on. Our moms aren't perfect, but our moms are our mom. And moms, moms have reputations, you know, uh, within the family, within the community, uh, within a circle of friends. What you're good at usually is some indication of what your reputation is among people. Um, my mom uh, was noted in our family, and even in Sevierville, which is where I'm from, my mom was noted. I guess for hospitality, she was very welcoming. My mom welcomed everybody into the house and heaven knows my brother and I drugged some stray dogs into the house over the years. And mom would always welcome them. Some of them were the four-legged kind, some were the two. Uh, I was one of those stray, dry, stray dogs that other friends invited me to their house. But my mom... Was welcoming. She wanted to make sure everybody knew they were welcome in her house and at her table, and she had a reputation for that even in Sevierville. Uh, And and we all we all have a reputation. We have things that we're good at, and I want to broaden this out a little bit now uh, to include all of us and not just our moms on this Mother's Day. But but we're all good at certain things and people know us for that and and we have a reputation and that can be really good and it can be problematic because here's a here's the reality your reputation is your life narrative written by somebody else that's what our reputation is it's our life narrative written by somebody else the question is What kind of information do they have? What are they saying about us? And why are they saying it about us? And are we doing anything to live into uh, a good reputation or to live out of? A bad one. Uh, You know, it can follow you around. People have different ways of addressing their reputation. I loved watching Instagram and Facebook and seeing all the moms and daughters that went to see Taylor Swift last weekend. You can always tell from the pictures which ones went to the Saturday show and which ones went to the Sunday show, because after the Sunday show, they were all soaking wet. But but I think they all had a great time. Taylor Swift had this album out, and I think it was in 2017, that was called Reputation. And it was kind of a concept album. And at that point in her career, she'd been doing it long enough that as the media is prone to do, and I used to be a member of the media years ago, the media... If, if, if there is a void of facts, then the media will make up their own. Uh, used to, they did it to sell papers or to get listeners on the radio or television. Now they do it for clicks, uh, because clicks mean money on the internet. And so people will fill in facts. And, and, and the media was trying to say things about Taylor Swift that she didn't think were necessarily true, trying to make more out of her and her romances and those sorts of things. And maybe was really there. And it was, some of it was hurtful. And, and a lot of celebrities you know they get bad reputations and they earn them and sometimes people try to put reputations on them and so this her album reputation was a way to sort of address some of the stuff that was being said about her uh, that may not have been true but remember uh, your reputation is your life narrative that somebody else is writing and when you're a celebrity lots of people get have a hand in that well not all of us can have a top-selling album to address our reputations but we can do something I think even more effective and that is we can start living into the reputation that Jesus would have for us as we seek to be his disciples in the world and in a few minutes I'm going to tell you What reputation Jesus has for you. Jesus wants you to have a reputation and he has something specific in mind for that reputation to be and we'll talk about that in a minute. We're we're continuing this sermon series, Turning the World Upside Down, which is what the world was saying about these disciples who were going out into the world after Jesus had been resurrected and gone back into heaven and they were forming the, the outline of the early church with all of these things they were doing and They were making a difference in the world and growing exponentially. So I thought maybe for a moment this morning we would think about our reputation. That was the reputation the early church had. They were turning the world upside down. They were making a difference. Everywhere they went, they were impacting people. And I started thinking, you know, summer's coming up and I don't have a boat anymore. We used to, back when I was in the radio business, we had a promotion every summer. The radio station was called U-102 and we gave away a boat every summer. It's called the U-Boat, which I thought was kind of clever. And we would take it out the lakes and give away t-shirts and soda pop. and, and, And one thing that I learned is. I learned how to operate the boat and would take it out because, you know, after all, somebody's got to work on the weekend to take that boat out on the lake with their, with their family, uh, right? So we would, we would do that. But I learned about no wake zones, And and people will give you the stink eye big time if you go blowing through a marina or a harbor or by somebody's dock too close too fast and you start messing up uh, their boat and causing their boat to rock against the sides of its slip or you're messing up their shoreline because you came too close to their house. No wake zones are really important. And the whole point of that is so that you don't leave any trace of your boat behind as you go across the pond but I started thinking about that that is a really that is a really good way to operate a boat in a responsible manner but it's an absolutely bad way to live your life for jesus christ our lives for jesus should not be no wake zones in fact we certainly want there to be some evidence that we have passed through someone's life now we don't want to go washing their boats up against the side of the slip and we don't want to go washing their bank down in front of their house or whatever we want to be carefully want to be uh, constructive with our wake but, you know, there's an old saying that says, if a tree falls into forest and no one hears it, did it actually make a sound? We were just talking about that the other day, in fact. But I would say this, if a boat goes across the pond or across the lake and doesn't leave a wake, I don't know it did it really go. Uh, I would submit no. Even at the lowest speed, there are going to be some ripples. And that's what I want to think about when we think about our reputations for a minute this morning. And there's, there's something in the Bible about that, that that I want to read to you because I think it's really important. Uh, the book of James is a little five-chapter book toward the end of the New Testament. It was written by James, who was the half-brother of Jesus. He was a leader in the early church at, at Ephesus. And he wrote this little book that's a part of our Bible. Uh, early on, some of the church fathers and mothers didn't want it in the, the Bible because they thought it spoke against what the apostle Paul said. And here's why. Here's, here's the, this is like the headline from the book of James. It's from uh, chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action is dead. And that sounds harsh. And it sounded harsh to some of those early church people who were putting the Bible together because they thought it went against what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans that says it is by grace through faith in Christ that we are saved. Nothing that we can add to it. And that's absolutely true. There's nothing you or I can do to make us more eligible for heaven. Our eligibility for heaven is based upon us being alive a living breathing human being and we have faith that Jesus Christ can save us from our sins that's all that's required however what James was saying is if you believe that if you believe that Jesus is your lord and savior and yet you live your life and there's absolutely no evidence no wake not a ripple in the water when you go through someone's life James would say did you did you really have faith or not? And I think that's a really good question for all of us to ask ourselves. Are are we leaving any sort of wake in the world? Paul, the apostle, definitely wanted to leave a wake, and he did. Paul, in fact, had a couple of, of really strong reputations, one that was positive, one that was negative. Paul's initial reputation was for someone who was persecuting those early followers of Jesus. This was even before they were called Christians. And we've, we've heard that story just recently where Paul was persecuting these people and Jesus met him on the road between Jerusalem and Damascus, struck him blind, and eventually Paul then was converted to the faith. But Paul had a reputation. We also read a story about a disciple named Ananias that was supposed to go find Paul and pray for him. And, and, you know, the spirit spoke to Ananias and said, here's where you need to go. Here's the house. Here's, here's the house number. Plug it into your GPS on your phone and go over to Paul. And I want you to pray this prayer. And he's going to get his sight back. And the disciple goes, whoa, Lord, I know you're, uh, Holy, you know, Holy Spirit, I, I know you know everything and all. But you know who, you know about this Paul, right? You know about his reputation. He kills people like me. He may have killed my family. He may have sent them to prison because Paul thought he was doing the right thing. He was trying to protect the Jewish faith because some of the Jewish leadership not all Jewish people some of the Jewish leadership so thought that Jesus was a threat to them and this whole movement that had been uh, birthed out of his life death and resurrection they thought it was a threat to Judaism and so he was as a good Jewish man he was persecuting these people until he met Jesus and then he gained a very different reputation. See, Paul was a very learned, he was a very smart guy. He'd been to school. He knew the Old Testament scriptures. And so Paul took that then. And by the way, this is really good if you're like me, and maybe you've lived part of your life in a way that wasn't very Christ-like, and you'd like to find a way to maybe recover some of that. Um, for me, I spent a lot of my time playing guitars in bars and nightclubs back years ago. And when I first came back to faith and was you know, starting to hear this call. Ministry, I started thinking, you know, what? How? It seems like all that's wasted time. And then God says, Well, hey, I'll be the judge of that. Why don't you just keep moving forward and let's see what we can do with some of that old stuff? That's what happened to Paul. Paul then developed this reputation of being really, really good at interpreting those Old Testament scriptures and helping people to see how they all pointed toward Jesus. Because some of those early Jewish people were having a problem connecting the Messiah that they all believed was coming with Jesus. And Paul was excellent at that. And so he had this reputation from the past that he had to overcome, and he did it by doing the absolute opposite and doing what Jesus wanted him to do and he overcame that old reputation of being a persecutor of followers of Jesus by being a really good teacher of scriptures about Jesus and he went on to, went on to plant church after church. So here's a question that I want to pose now for just a moment, and that is this. Our reputation is the wake we leave behind as we travel through life. Are you leaving a wake? And if you are, is it, is it washing people's bank out? Is it running their boats up against the slips and ruining the paint? I mean, is it, is it creating damage? Or is it doing something positive? Are you, are you helping people to see that there is a Jesus and he lives in you and he can live in them by your wake as you pass through people's lives? Jesus wants you to have a reputation. And I'm going to tell you what it is. He spoke about it. He didn't use the word reputation, but he did say this. This was just maybe an hour before he was arrested, the night that he was arrested and the, the night before he was crucified. Here's what he said to the disciples. Final instructions. I mean, he's doing the final instructions before he was going to leave the planet via a cross. And here's what he told them. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. The implication is very strong. This will be your reputation. You will have a reputation as one of my disciples by this. By what? if you love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And that kind of lets some of the pressure off of this whole discipleship thing. It just means that we are to bring Love into a situation and we have all sorts of opportunities to do that in conversations we may be involved in at work or at school or at the gym or or some other place uh, we may we may hear people talking in a way that isn't very loving about some other person or some other group of people or somebody's political perspective and boy are we really bad about doing that to each other Uh, no matter what color state you're from you know red or blue or pink or purple we we always love to it seems that we we often and make our point by by saying bad things about the other people. And 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 everybody does it. Except Jesus doesn't want us to do that. He said they'll know you by your love. And we can speak love into those situations. Here's a good way to think of it. We did a consultation uh, back right out coming out of COVID we were trying to think what is our vision what is our vision for the future of our church and from that consultation it was very prayerful we did a lot of Bible study and we decided we wanted to be an invitational church we wanted to be a church that was really intentional about inviting people into the life of the church one of the questions that the consultant asked is and this is one that consultants often ask of church and I'm going to ask it of ourselves and that is How would your community be different if your church didn't exist? Would it be different? How does your church make your community different? You know, and I thought about that, and that's a really good question. And I started thinking about it in terms of our church. How Would our community miss us? Well, I think there are a lot of hungry people that would miss the fresh food from the food pantry or from the crop drops that we do. There would be uh, there would be elementary students that would miss having an hour a week with a mentor in our Kids Hope program. Um, there would be families with elder members who were dealing with dementia that would miss us because they wouldn't have that place to bring the person that they loved so that they could be in a loving, supporting, nurturing environment. Uh, and then the, the caregivers could go out and have a chance to work or catch their breath and get a little bit of a break. And we could go on and on. How many children and how many students, high school age students, have been impacted positively by the ministries of this church? Heck, our gym. I don't know how many times I go somewhere. Where do you serve? in all so, Concord. Oh, is, is that, is, I, you know what? I used to play basketball in that gym when I was a kid. Or my kids play basketball in that gym. And you know what? If we can just do that, if we can be a place where people are invited to come and just play basketball, you know, that's a foot in the door. These are the ways that our church loves this community and loves others. And you can do the same thing. You can be creative with whatever it is that you're good at. You can use that. Your reputation be, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what you are good at. Maybe you're really good at some particular sport or some, or some uh, musical instrument or maybe your voice or maybe you're a good dancer or I don't know, maybe you're good at horseshoes. I have no idea. But you can find a way to share that reputation with others and to include the love of, pri- of Christ in all that. And you can do that at any age. One of the conversations that I have fairly frequently with older members of our church is, you know, as they're getting older, they'll say, you know, I just can't, I can't get out there and even pick up a 10 pound bag of potatoes whenever you do those crop drops. I just can't do that. I can't go down and work at the Habitat for Humanity house. And by the way, we're building our 23rd Habitat for Humanity house. That's another way you can get involved. But I, I just can't do that anymore. And and I just, I can't come and, and serve As a shepherd with the children's program or or help with the youth or or whatever, because I've just, you know, I'm older and I have this uh, problem with my hip or I have this issue with this ailment. And I always tell them, you know what, you know, just just show your love, just pray for our church, or get on the phone and text somebody that you think may need a a touch. You can always you can always continue to share your love and let your reputation continue to follow you. I'll tell you a quick story, and then uh, and we'll be done. About my mom did that, and and this is this has inspired me uh, to 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 not let anything stand in the way of trying to be an inviting, hospitable person who invites people into the life of Christ. Like I told you, my mom had this reputation of being of, 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 of hospitality and welcoming people into her life. Well, in the last season of her life, she had fallen three times in 18 months, and at 94 and then 95 years old, you don't get over those surgeries like you did when you were younger. And she was really struggling uh, with her mind and being able to remember and, and think clearly And so she was in a nursing home and she was in a geriatric chair and she spent most of her time uh, just kind of reclined and, and that was it. She had this friend, Joan Engel, and Joan has gone on now to glory, and she's with, and I guarantee you, they're still having tea parties in heaven because that was their thing. They would come to my mother's house, and my mother would get out her china teapot, and she would get out china cups, and she would have little plates with doilies, and Joan would bring uh, butter cookies, and they would sit in my mother's house, and they would drink tea out of this china teapot and eat butter cookies and share their lives with each other, and it was so beautiful. So, So one time when Joan was there, she said, I would like to bring some tea and have a tea party. I said, well, that, that would be great. And so we just, it was a time that I was going to be there. And so she came, and she brought her own teapot. She brought a thermos full of boiling water. She brought china cups. She brought everything that they would have had at my mom's house, except they were in her room at the nursing home. And, and so my mom, she would get a little confused as to where she was. And so Joan came in. Oh, Joan! She always knew who she was. Joan, Larry, go out in the kitchen and get the teapot and get those cookies and get the saucers. And she was telling me where to go in the house to get all this stuff, you know. So okay, mom. And I went into the bathroom just so I could disappear. And and we got Joan's teapot and filled it full of water and put the tea bags in and put the doilies on the saucers and had the butter cookies. And my mom mom, I was her hands and feet, I was her hands and feet, but she was still welcoming people into her home, even though she couldn't get out of that chair, and I'll I'll never forget the memory of them sitting there together quietly, really not talking much anymore, sipping their tea out of china teacups, and eating those butter cookies, and just sharing each other's life, And, and mom used my hands and feet to make that welcome guess what? Jesus uses your hands and feet to welcome people into the kingdom. And that can be your reputation. And you can do it a thousand and one different ways, but he's counting on us to do it. Your reputation is your life narrative that someone else writes. We can control the narrative. And there are so many, Taylor Swift couldn't control her, so she made an album. We can't control ours sometimes, but what we can do is let people know that we're his disciple by our love. And maybe that's being quiet sometimes, or maybe it's, maybe it's by being quiet when a conversation is turning hateful among peers, maybe at work or school or someplace. And we just decide, no, I'm not gonna get involved in that conversation. You can make a statement sometimes just by not, participating is something that you know is not something is something Christ wouldn't want you to be involved in and when you do that you could look behind and you'd see a wake not a wake that's churning up boats but a wake that's impacting and and moving people that's what Jesus did. Jesus, yeah, some, sometimes he did get a little disruptive. Usually it was toward the people who were being uh, ugly toward other people. Often it was leveled toward the religious professionals, which I've told you before always lands hard on me that the only people he ever got really mad at were the religious professionals. But he, he wants us to leave a wake that's impacting people, that lets people know that we were there in his name. They will know We're his disciple by our love. That can be our wake, however you choose to go across the pond. Let us pray. Almighty God, how incredible it is that that you have come and impacted us uh, with Jesus. That you tried and tried and tried to get our attention so many different ways over the centuries. But finally, you just came yourself your own hands and feet. And you came and impacted the world and and turned it upside down. And then your people became your hands and feet and continued to turn the world upside down. Lord Jesus, please send your spirit so that we may leave this place as your hands and feet eager and ready to leave a wake behind us so that our reputation may be love, your love that continues to help turn this world upside down for you, for your sake, and in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.